Welcome to Self-Care with Dr. Sarah. I'm Sarah B. And I'm Sarah R. And the topic for today is self-care at conferences. So part of what inspired us to do conferences this week is we're here in Chicago. This is a live broadcast. With both of us together, (laughs) which is exciting. We're sitting together, yeah, which almost will never be the case. So I'm in town uh, to give a talk at Adler and visit you, Chicago. And I was here for APSICON, which stands for Astrobiology Science Conference. Yes. And we, because of this, we were talking about how do you maintain your self-care at conferences, which are by and large very uh, strenuous events, both mentally and physically. Um, Maybe let's talk about, let's start with how conferences first felt, like our first impressions of them. So my first conference... Uh, that I went to to give a talk was 2008, and a lot of my really early conference memories uh, are characterized by feelings of being an outsider. That was really stressful, especially when I knew I was going to be giving a talk. That was kind of an added source of stress. And then um, sort of my natural introversion um, was also another source of stress. You know, there was a question of when I was sort of allowed, I'm making the air quotes gesture, like allowed to step back and take a rest and not interact with people. Yeah. What do you remember? I, I, especially that last point. When I first went to conferences, I felt like I had to go to every single session, be at every single event, you know, because my professor was watching me or I had to report back. And and I there was just sort of this pressure to just give everything yeah. to the machine all that, that, all that you had to give the conference. Yeah. I also just remember feeling abject terror yeah yeah and also this was before i knew about the imposter syndrome so this was definitely like (laughs) imposter syndrome thoughts just spewing out and in the end the talk went really well and i actually won first place for the best undergrad oral presentation but of course i was just terrified the whole time um you're seeing me shake my head as i always do when you're like oh i had imposter thoughts comma i was in first place (laughs) with you forever i'm aware (laughs) but go on And I still get that way a little bit. Um, now, now it's definitely better before giving a talk. Uh, but, you know, one of the self-care practices that I do is I make sure that I do power poses. Mm. Um, and if anyone's listening to this podcast and doesn't know about power poses, yeah, you right, need right. to hit Tell pause. Them. And you should go over to TED.com and type yeah. in Amy Cuddy, A-M-Y space C-U-D-D-Y. Yes. And watch your TED Talk about power poses. It's the best. And in a nutshell, basically by standing in one of these power poses for two minutes, you um, lower your cortisol and increase your testosterone, and that uh, basically lowers your stress and, and, and is, allows you to shine in a, in a better way. And they've done double-blind studies on people doing blind interviews and, and things like this before uh, with doing power poses or not. So I think that is absolutely, you know, giving a talk conference strategy, number one, go to a bathroom stall, mm. look like an idiot, stand with your hands high above the air yeah. for two minutes. Yeah. And Take up as much space as you possibly yeah, exactly. can. Yeah. And, uh, so, and also even right before your talk, try not to sit, you know, with your hand touching your neck, which is typically a, a sign of insecure, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, it lowers like your a closed off, posture. A closed off posture, right. Mm-hmm. Which we tend to want to do, you know, or we yes. want to look down at some device when still try to maintain sitting with open body posture to keep that positive, uh, body feedback going to, uh, go right into your top. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
since I started doing talks, I'm remembering um, the talk I was, the second most terrifying talk I ever gave. So, okay, so the first most terrifying was my first ever talk. Yeah. Uh, and the second most terrifying uh, was during what I call the Year of Horrors TM <laughs> trademark. This is 2011. <laughs> Just like awful, awful lows, like graduate yeah. school stresses and other life stresses. And I had to give a talk uh, at a conference called Extreme Solar Systems, and it was kind of a talk on my first newsworthy, you know, quote-unquote newsworthy result. And I had had a very low week immediately before. So I had actually learned sort of a visualization exercise that week before in kind of like an emergency type therapy situation that I used then and I use it actually every time now. Um, I actually taught it one time to a postdoc who came into my office in grad school and was kind of like hyperventilating. And, um, and so if you ever, you know, see me giving a talk, uh, like right beforehand, I'll, I'll be kind of like doing these really small movements that are almost imperceptible. So um, I start by visualizing my feet. So what I'm kind of like engaging different muscles and then relaxing them. And uh, when I do that different kind of muscle group, um, I'm thinking about that part of my body. So I start with the, with the very bottoms of my feet and I work my way up. And thinking about my feet, I like imagine myself in the dirt. You know, mm -hmm. my feet are just in the ground. I'm in a garden or something. I'm hearing birds chirping. I'm outside. The sun is shining. My feet are like in the soil. I'm literally grounded. And then I'm uh, engaging the muscles of my feet and then relaxing them. And then I do the same uh, with my calf muscles and then my quads. Every time I'm doing that, it's kind of associated with a breath in and a breath mm -hmm. out. And then my stomach muscles. And then I'll actually kind of tense even down to my biceps. And then I'll mm -hmm. flex and unflex my fingers. The whole thing probably takes 10 seconds or something. Only 10 seconds to go through your whole body. Well, because it's like breath in, breath out. Maybe it's closer to 20 seconds. It, I should say 10 breaths. 10 breaths. Yeah. So um, so probably longer than 10 seconds, yeah. So And I'll just repeat. And by the time I get to the top of my head, every time I feel more relaxed. But I'm doing that, you know, in the moments before you know you're going to be giving your talk. Yeah. I I can't even think of a time I remember the Q&A. Like yeah, of, of the last, of this, person. Of the last yeah. person. So I'm just completely in the zone, yeah. like kind of doing these exercises to make myself feel calm. That's interesting. There's there's another technique that I've heard, which I used at this talk, actually, that I just gave. And that's, um, you know, when we feel this adrenaline rush before this this giving a talk, it's kind of similar to a flight or flight response, mm -hmm. except for we're actually not being attacked or we're not, <laughs> our lives are not in danger, contrary to uh, what we might be thinking. <laughs> and so uh, one one way to get rid of it is to expend physical energy. Yeah. And, and so part of that's what you're doing is by contracting the muscles. So mm. I gripped the bottom of the chair mm. really hard and then yeah. release. So like any way you can expend, like my speech coach said, any way you can expend physical energy, um, will help you get rid of that adrenaline that's yeah. just building up and it wants a physical release but you can't because you're like sitting in a room with you can't you physically know. flee exactly <laughs> as badly as you want to as, mu as much as you might want to you can't just run out of the room screaming or battle the moderator um, just you know. engage yeah <laughs> you know and this happened actually at another conference in kind of an organic way once i was um at this conference in Arizona, and it happened to be St. Patrick's Day, and I would, I did Irish dance for 14 years, and so we, I was no up big on deal. Stage. Go on. <laughs> on Sarah excels in everything, but continuing <laughs> okay. on. Calm, calm down, Sarah. <laughs> so, so I was up on stage, 
and uh, my slides went shut. There's technical problems, so I was just mm-hmm. sitting up there awkwardly. So I was like trying to make some jokes. I'm like, well, it's you know, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Like, mm-hmm. fun factoid, I used to do Irish dance, and then someone from the audience was like, do us a dance, and I was like, <laughs> uh, there's no slides, yeah. And then other people were like, yeah, come on, give us a dance. So I did. I did a little Irish dance step. You know, like it was five seconds long. Yeah. I mean, it was super short. But I had never, normally in any talk, there's like the first five minutes, I'm a yeah. little trembling and mm-hmm. and I'm very anxious and then I calm down more towards the latter part of the talk. Yeah. For this talk, I was just relaxed the whole way and I think it was being able to expend the energy, that, that nervous energy mm. while I was on stage because it's difficult to do before because I don't feel it yeah. until like right when I'm walking to the podium I'm like oh yeah there are people the trembling there. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yes and so mm-hmm. so that was actually kind of you can't always do that unfortunately um, but that was a interesting little you know experiment let's take yeah. ourselves from like behind the podium to in the audience mm. um so one of the things that you mentioned before Sarah when we were brainstorming to- um topics uh related to self-care and conferences is like the Q&A period um, so in particular, uh, the gender breakdown of people who ask, uh, ask questions. Yeah. Especially it was noticeable at this conference. It was very few, uh, women scientists were answering, uh, asking questions mm-hmm. that even though there was a strong presence of, of females throughout the audience, and there's been people who have done statistics at this at all conferences and it's always mm-hmm. a difference, but I found it like in many sessions, not a single woman asked a question the entire, you know. Mm-hmm. hour and a half or something once you notice it's really it's obvious. yeah it was yeah. striking i was like yeah. Oof, you know and yeah, to be honest i didn't ask a question um mm-hmm. and and i've actually only really asked questions at one conference embarrassingly to say this was at the AAS earlier this year and i made myself i like made myself which talk was this i don't even remember what talk it was. i just <laughs> i just had it in my brain i'm like sorry you're gonna ask a conference question yes and then once i did just that one um then I actually asked like five or six questions at conference. Like the first mm-hmm. one was by far the hardest. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself being like, oh yeah, I also have a question about, okay, go up to the podium yes. again. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so then, uh, so then I got a lot more uh, comfortable with it. But I found that even though I had done that at the conference, you know, five months ago, come this conference, did I, that, that's, that confidence certainly did not translate it didn't just time. last no, a lifetime, LOL. Yeah. Unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> so I feel like there's something to be said for just doing the first question and then other ones will follow. That is exact. So that was borne out in a study, like that informal really? study at the AAS in Seattle earlier this year. So um, January 2015. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably a data point in that study. I'm sure I, I am I was, too. <laughs> yeah. I, I forget who some of the organizers were. Jim Davenport, um, who's graduating from UW this year, is, is one of them. But it was um, a survey to note the gender of people who ask questions mm-hmm. and it was uh, a very strong function of the gender of the first question asker so if the first question asker was a woman then, then more ask. women ask questions so i <laughs> having that in mind when i've been to conferences since i will make myself ask the first, first question, question even if i think it's dumb yeah. like um which kind of ties into uh, a theme I'll probably visit many times related to my own self-care, which is that it's really in, inextricably linked to kind of a feeling of caring for others, mm. you know? So if I feel 
like I'm doing something which is contributing to the well-being in particular of like other women scientists, I feel better yeah. about myself and I actually feel more confident. Mm -hmm. um, so what I'll do, I mean, honestly, I'll like look around me and I think other young women are like so brilliant and like so smart and like they're going to ask a smart question. So the least I can do is like throw myself under the bus <laughs> with my dumb question about like spectral resolution or God knows what. Which and I'm sure is not a dumb question. Yeah, that's yeah. sweet of you. Right, right, right. I have imposter thoughts even about the question. Right, right. But of I'm course, like... Well, that's why I don't ask them because I, I am sure either that like during the minute I was daydreaming during that talk which almost happens in any talk it's hard to pay attention <laughs> of course it is yeah like you know even if you're just thinking about the previous slide or you're writing yeah. down something from the previous slide i'm like I, I just assume that my question was already answered in the talk <laughs> and i am just the only dumb one <laughs> in the audience who didn't that's like 90 percent of my thoughts on asking questions the other <laughs> the other 90 percent, because really it's you know more than 100 percent yeah is that <laughs> that i'm just gonna display my ignorance you know, in front of all these people yeah. by asking something that truly is just obvious. Yeah. I mean, that's really, I'm hopeful. That's really diminished with time for me, probably because I have just a feature of my personality where it's extremely, I feel physical discomfort at not understanding mm -hmm. something. I mean, I think a lot of people do, but my discomfort often exceeds the discomfort of like shame or embarrassment. Oh my So like <laughs> that was the case in like undergrad, which is I'm sure a reason why I met with like a lot of success in undergrad yeah. was because yeah. I would like feel super fidgety and frustrated when I didn't understand enough that I was uncomfortable enough to ask a question. So one time that was like actively penalized mm -hmm. in a class where the I asked a question and then the professor was like, Does anyone else have this question? Oh, I had that happen. And no, that happen. you could yeah. hear a pin drop, every, I mean, <laughs> yeah. right? And yeah. I was like, ugh. And he was like, you can just come to my office hours, Sarah. And of yeah. course, afterwards, when we were filing out, people said, I had that, that question, question too. Because of course they did. Anyway, so yeah. as time has gone on, I've kind of like accrued the confidence where I'm thinking, if I have this question, it's a legitimate okay. question. Yeah. But I mean, that's 10 years later. Yeah. In undergrad, I have to tell you this funny story. Um, I, I asked a question about inductance and... and um, <laughs> I already have e &M. imposter thoughts about this because <laughs> E&M was like my worst. Yeah, well, you know, E&M. And my dad quoted it, the hour of mystery. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was sitting in this class and I asked this question about inductance and the professor just looked at me and he said did you read chapter seven <gasps> and I said yes because I had oh my god and he was like well I probably would have started else? to cry yeah. he was like would <laughs> someone else like to answer Sarah's question and then like no one raised their hand and then he like asked like called on somebody he's like why don't you explain inductance and they couldn't and then he was like okay fine I'll answer it I was I felt so ashamed ashamed but yeah. at least like other he kind of got angry it. too I felt angry. I felt just ashamed. I think you know. I still remember that. You know, that's one of the highlights from that ENM course. <laughs> but you know, no one else knew. You know, he was just kind of a you know an interesting professor. He would hand back test scores in order of like grade. I mean, he was just one of those types. You know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This uh, yeah, it's making my heart beat faster. Yeah, it was very stressful. That. It yeah. was very stressful, and you know, just even. I was so terrified of both the professor and my outcome in that class that I didn't even want to go to his office to look at my grade after because I would, you know, he posted them on the door before they would be in mm -hmm. the online system. But I was just terrified of what I would see. And so I just, you know, yeah. stayed away and I avoided that corridor of the physics building, yeah. you know. So I find, I find the shame, like going back to your point of the shame of asking questions and mm -hmm. not knowing... 
when I feel like I don't know something and I, I just feel so ashamed that I should know it mm -hmm. and I'll try to make a point maybe to learn it after, but I'm, I never feel like I should ask a question now because then I feel like I'll be exposed, you know? Yeah. And so I usually just be quiet, you know? Um, I'm sure other people and specifically other women are thinking exactly the same uh, thing. Yeah. The other topic we were discussing before was this idea of overload and burnout, mm -hmm. treating a conference as a marathon rather than a sprint, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sleep and exercise. So I was yeah. thinking... Sure, let's, um, let's maybe start with uh, times that we overdid it. Oh, and yeah. like how you can tell you're overdoing it. Um, so I actually think now that I'm overdoing it when I stop being able to process information, like mm -hmm. that's a sign I've actually gone too far. Mm -hmm. And that, and like accompanying that awareness is a knowledge of how much is typical to actually absorb during a talk. Yeah. Now that I'm a little bit older, I have like, I think more realistic ideas about what what I should be able to glean from like some individual five minute talk. It's like yeah. one idea. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be remembering everything. Yeah. Um, having more realistic ideas about what I can absorb makes me less tired, yeah. but there does come a point um, where I honestly, I'm like checking out so much of the talk yeah. that um, I'm no longer absorbing information at this point. Any reasonable person would say, then why are you in the room? Mm -hmm. You know? And, and that's kind of like my first sign but sometimes it's not, sometimes it's more like almost emotional, mm -hmm. like the sign that I'm overloading, I'll, I'll like feel anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, my real challenge, not so much anxiety as like depression, mm -hmm. I actually will start to feel depressed, mm -hmm. um, if I've been trying to do too much. Mm -hmm. So it's only kind of as I've gotten older that I've recognized that pattern, but I'll know it from the yeah. feeling of depression and loneliness. I'll yeah. start to like feel lonely when I'm burning out. Yeah. Um, so those are signs now. Do you have signs that you're like, I'm burning out? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a combination of physical and mental signs mm -hmm. where, you know, my body's just getting run down and tired. They're pretty obvious, you yeah. know? So I, um, I really try to take a lot of proactive steps on this regard. Yeah. Um, gone are the days of trying to go to every talk. <laughs> like that just doesn't happen. Long ever. gone. Long gone. <laughs> and I think the other common trap that people fall into is even if they know that, even frequent conference scores still they feel like the first day they have to go to everything and yeah. then they get tired for the second day and the third day and the fourth day yeah. and so there's you know I think of it as not really balancing time but balancing energy and like conserving energy and so I make sure I look through the whole conference schedule for the week mm -hmm. I pick out what are the things I really want to go to. Mm -hmm. And then there's things that are, would be nice to go to mm -hmm. and kind of have this hierarchy. And often when there's a lot of talks in one session, mm -hmm. you know, then I'll of course stay just for the whole session, but I'll really try to clue in, you know, on the single talks that I really want. Priorities. And then, yeah. And then prioritize them. And then for the talks that, you know, I really actually, you know, don't need to know a lot about that. I might check my email during that thing or something yeah. to, you know, so that I'm managing when am I going to be fully on and engaged and mm -hmm. listening and mm -hmm. absorbing and when it, and taking micro breaks both within the conference yeah. session as well as the conference as a whole. Yeah. Along with this is, um, you know, if I make bad decisions, I have to pay some sort of cost at some point. It's, yeah. 
So uh, this happened at this conference where I didn't go to bed till like 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. one day. And was it a good reason? No, it wasn't like I was out, <laughs> you know, maybe networking with someone. No, that was not mm-hmm. it. I was just in my room dinking around. I mean, there, was, there was no good reason. Watching and, Game of Thrones, yeah, like, like angrily. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> there was no good reason. I even texted you, Sarah, and I was like, I really want to go to this plenary session at 8 a.m., but that's like going to be less than six hours of sleep because it's yeah. 2 a.m. now. I have to get up to get down to the plenary, and it's like five hours of sleep or something. And... I was feeling really anxious about it and and mm. um cuz I really wanted to go to this plenary. It looked so cool. It was like it was one of yes. my highlights. It was one of the things I had put, picked out at the beginning of the week as being like this is what I want to go to. Yeah. And then you know, silly me screwed it up on the way. Mm. And so um so what I did is I decided actually to not go. And in the end, I woke up anyway as my as my roommate was uh, heading out to the plenary and I was like, okay, well, whatever, I'll just go and then take a nap. Mm-hmm. So I went down, I stumbled down, I like barely put on clothes and brushed my teeth and, <laughs> and, and went to the plenary. It was a great plenary and came back to my room and I tried to sleep and I missed that whole morning of sessions, which I also wanted to see and, uh, to take my nap, but I couldn't fall asleep because I was too keyed up, keyed up. Yeah. And, and so then I had a lunch engagement, so I went to lunch and then I, ended up taking a nap in the afternoon mm-hmm. to make up that sleep debt mm-hmm. that I had accrued and I missed the whole afternoon session just mm-hmm. bas- I, basically I missed the whole conference day other than that plenary mm-hmm. because the debt had to come from somewhere yeah and and that to me is kind of a lesson that I've learned multiple times is that even if I um screw up mm-hmm. I am still you know that it, it'll the debt will still be paid somewhere yeah. you know and so there's choices to be made. Am I going to, you know, just sleep in longer and then miss the plenary or am I going to miss the afternoon talks? But the, the answer is not to go to everything and burn myself to the ground, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then be good for nothing. Yes. Even worse, you know, yeah. at the end of the day. So, so typically what I do is I, I really try to manage my sleep, make sure I'm getting eight, eight and a half, even nine hours of sleep at a conference because mm-hmm. they're so mentally taxing. Yeah. I also will definitely take time out in the afternoons uh, to exercise. Um, I went to the gym three times this conference. Oh, so great. And um, I think it's just vital to, you know, keep sleep and exercise at the forefront because then I'm more engaged, you know, in every other aspect. You just remember more. Yeah, Yeah. you engage more. Hi, Sarah B. here. This is where Sarah and I chose to end part one of our episode on conference self-care. Please join us for the second half.